Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Ron Coomer can talk about David Ortiz. He can talk about labor strife. And he can talk about the Chicago Bears because he grew up there. Coom, how are you tonight? You see, are you in a warm place or not? I, I am in a warmer place than you, buddy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I am in Clearwater Beach. It is not warm here right now, but it is not... Uh, you know, 20 degrees or 20 below zero. 20 here. below tonight, yeah. Yeah, it's a little warmer here. It's 50s, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't quite consider it a nice day, but for Florida, it was. It's it beats beats the alternative. <laughs> beats Chicago the alternative, as they say. Now, did you grow up a big Bears fan? Were you were you a, a Ditka Butkus, Gale Sayers guy? Where, where were you in that, in that pecking order? Y- yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. Um, Gale Sayers is a little old, a little before my time. Um, I was a little guy when I yep. saw him play. Uh, but gets kind of the same thing. Uh, but definitely Ditka, Mike, and I have been friends a very long time um, from being here. And, uh, you know, big Bears fan always. And then, you know, believe it or not, I was a big Vikings fan too, being sure. there so long. You know, so um, I would get, I was season ticket holder, uh, Paul and I, and I'd get a hard time from the Vikings fans when they'd play the Bears at the Dome. You know, and I'd come to sit in my seats, but it was all good. Well, you now this Ryan Pohl, they're going to Pohl's are going to hire as their general manager, and the, and, the, and the Vikings were looking at him too. I mean, like, like, is there somebody you want to see the Bears hire as a head coach now? Well, you know, to me, it's all about the quarterback position, right? In Chicago, for yeah. Bears, they, and Fields the guy, right? Somebody, yeah, Fields that you can have work with Fields that's going to be good. Um, you know, is Peterson a guy that was in? Philadelphia or some other guy, yeah. you know, but you've got to be able to work with that young kid because I, from when he came to Chicago this year, you kind of felt like he took a step backwards this past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you didn't feel like he was going to beat you for sure, right? No, and, and, you know, just, you know, and watching as a fan, I'm no, you know, great football mind by no means. But you still understand competition and you understand. You played the guy, game too, though. You grew up playing some I, football. I did, yeah, but. Obviously not to the to yeah. a high level, but you still understand and you can watch people, whether they understand or don't understand what's happening on the field. And, you know, I, I think he's still, you know, there's still some learning to, to, to happen. Now, uh, Coom, today David Ortiz went into the Hall of Fame, and, and, and I don't remember. I was trying to recollect. I guess I could have looked it up, but I, did, I forgot to. Did your pass cross with the Twins? Absolutely. He was traded to the Twins from Seattle. Yep. And he showed up, um, David showed up in spring training and was lockered right next to me in Fort Myers. Big fella and a great guy. We played together for a couple years. Um, super guy. We've been friends a long time now, but he's, you know, well deserving. Obviously, it's one of the, one of the spots that the twins, 
you know, obviously didn't make the right call. But all in all, you know, David was just tremendous guy, great for the game, and, and what a career he had, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that he had an enemy, did he? he he's, he's one of those guys, as I recall, that, that would smile all the time. I can remember um, uh, teammates would... <laughs> Would kid him about how old are you really, David? Because because you know a lot of times the the, the players that come from somewhere else are, there was always rumors about birth certificates and you know buying yeah. birth certificates. You know what I'm talking about, Coom? And, and, and they tease him about totally. that. He'd give it right back to him, uh, but but it, but always with a smile. Well, he was the first 21 year old. Now you're sitting next to a guy in a locker room that had probably had six or seven knee surgeries by then. He's supposed to be 21, and he's rubbing ointment on his knees before he's putting sleeves on and I'm like, he's 21? I'm like, dang. <laughs> but you know what? He was a great guy. He was a great teammate. I was really happy for him when he went to Boston and things took off. And, you know, when you when you look at what he did as a player, you know, from the time he left Minnesota to the to the time he finished after the 13th season, man, that's it's pretty amazing. It is. Uh, three World Series titles, 10 All-Star games. Was it as simple as him saying, I'm just going to swing for the fence? No, he was a hitter. He, he he was a well-rounded hitter. That's why he did so well. And Fenway Park played right into his game because he could go deep to left over the monster. And if you started coming inside, he was going to kill you. And, you know, so that ballpark was tailor-made for him. Um, and, and he used it to his advantage, you know, especially during playoffs. I mean, so many big playoff games that, you know, you put him in Fenway and he he really didn't have a hole in his swing. Ron Coomer is our guest. See, that's what I remember about him. The the big guy uh, with the twins that that, that he could go the other way. He could. So he could go the other way with power. He could pull the ball, obviously. Um, You know, at that time with the twins, the twins were not, you know, we had a bunch of young players and, you know, Tom wanted to keep the ball on the ground and, use the turf and all those things. And, you know, that wasn't going to be David's, David's deal. And, you know, and then he was pretty exposed at first base on the Astro turf defensively. Even though yeah. he had very good hands, he couldn't move all that well. But, boy, you put that bat in his hand, and it, all that, all those things went away when uh, you watched him come to the plate with men on men in base. I, yeah, I don't remember him ever playing first base for Boston. Did, did he ever put a glove on? Uh, a little bit, but not too often. Come, come playoff time, he had to. You know, yeah. I'm sure Terry Francona and other buddies, you know, held his breath every time the ball went over that way. But, <laughs> you know, hey, that's all right. They got through it, and they won three championships because of it. Yeah, and, and, and you'll throw a guy out there if you think he might produce three hits, right? Well, it is hits. You know, there was the one playoff series against the Yankees where he had three walk-off hits in a row. I remember that now. Great games. I mean, Think about that. This is the ALCS to go to the World Series. Three walk-off hits, two bombs, and a single walk-off hits in a row. You are now a hero yeah. for life in Boston, aren't you? I mean, when yeah, you do, you do that, look. <laughs> now, now, Alex Rodriguez, another guy you're familiar with, is a part owner of the Timberwolves. What was he like to play against and as a competitor? And when? Yeah. Can we still talk about our teeth? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, like today, listening to the you know MLB Network, you know they had they were talking about the two of those guys together. You know, I just don't think it's fair to David. David was a good, solid, great guy, good teammate, all the positives. And then you got another guy who, 
you know, I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I could say any of those things. I understand. Right there, so. You know I what I mean? I, I, I'm a big fan of David, put it that way. So, 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 like a guy like Ortiz, when you talk about what makes a great teammate, and I mentioned, of course, I'm just in the media, and I, and I covered him when he was here, and I always enjoyed it, and, uh, you, you know, the, the fun that he would have with the, uh, whether it was the clubhouse guy or the, or, or the hitting coach, whoever it was, uh, they were going back and forth. They had nicknames for each other and all those things. But, but what is, uh, to you, the definition of a great teammate? Well, he had time for everybody, and he understood somewhat of his role. I know this happened in Boston, but I watched it happen in Minnesota. When the Twins signed Christian Guzman, who you remember, the shortstop, who really didn't speak much English at all, Guzzi was an extremely talented young kid and really nice kid, but, you know, very raw when it came to, you know, our our culture and the language and things like that. And I just remember David grabbing him and saying, you come with me and you're always with me. And, and things were good for, for Guzzi because David, David took care of him. And I, and I just looked at that and he didn't have to do it. And David by no means was a star in the league yet, but he, he taught Christian how to go around Major League Baseball. And I thought that was really cool to watch. And when you, you know, Mike, as you know, when you watch people in our game and in the media and all that, when they how they treat people, you get get a really good judge on on what a person's like by the way they treat people. Yes, you know, and uh, how they, they treat, treat everyone, right? Yeah. He treated the 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 young kid clubhouse guy the same way he would treat Mister Polet walking in. Yep, he was just great to everybody, and that to me tells you all you need to know about guys. Can you stand with us for a quick break? I want to talk about whether we'll see spring training or not. Absolutely, buddy. Ron Absolutely. Coomer is our guest. Always fun to visit with the Coom. Will there be a spring training on schedule? Is baseball in jeopardy? We'll ask Coom when we come back. One more Hall of Fame question for Ron Coomer. Uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling all fall short for the Hall in their final shot to get in. Surprise you at all? It did, yeah. I thought the two guys would get in this time. I thought uh, Clemens and Bonds would get in. Um, just because of the ten-year period, and you know they were trending that way. Um, you know, I, I never really got to know Barry Bonds. Played against him, but never really got to know him. I was teammates with Roger, and you know, with all that's gone on with Clemens, um, I, I'll say this: what his numbers are, they speak for themselves. But Mike, you, you want to talk about a great teammate? He was a great teammate. Um, so for me, I, you know, with all that's gone on with him, um, I was really pulling for him to get in. Uh, he made a pretty nice statement at the end of, like, let's just turn the page now and move on. Um, that will never happen in baseball because of the new rules with the Hall of Fame and some yeah. of the new voting, you know, some of the, the new ways of getting in. Yeah, uh, Great teammate, great guy, uh, great family. I, I'm a big fan of Roger. Now, the baseball, as it sits here, and, they, and they be, their negotiations, and they're, and they're into them a little bit, and you know, we forget that it's work stoppage because uh, uh, it is what it is, but obviously no Twins Fest here and all that, that which might be COVID-related, but I don't even know. Uh, but, but where do you think it sits right now, and how much do you fear uh, a shortening of the season or a delay in the season? I, you know what? I was very encouraged in the last 48 hours that both sides have – sat down and they've had some some productive talks, right? Not just talks, not just 
pointing fingers at each other, but productive talks. The players' union took a couple things off the table. The ownership group has agreed to some things, and to me, and they're all financial, right? So they're financial um, things that, to me, means you know both sides are, are some common sense is starting to filter into this negotiation because I really, with all that's gone on in the last two years, with you know COVID and and, and all the things and social. You know, issues that all of our cities are in. Baseball was the one sport in the summer where you could go and you could enjoy it. You know, there were fans at some point. They're not fans. But we really can't have our game be another issue in our town, right? So I, yeah. I just really hope um, that, you know, our game can figure it out. You're talking, Mike, about a $10 billion industry. Yeah, There's enough money to be enough money where everybody can be happy. Yeah. Now, now right. when you when you look at that and you hear things like um, service time and, and and how they can play with getting to six years and all those things, do players get real riled up about those kinds of things? Uh, you know, minimum minimum uh, uh, rookie contract, things like that. Does that matter a lot, or are most guys saying, "Hey, if you prove yourself, you'll get paid"? Well, it, it's that, it, it used to be that way. It used to be where guys were worried about the rules mattered a lot more. 20 years ago because guys didn't make as much so the opportunity of getting the free agency the opportunity of getting to arbitration was important you know to to get somewhat of a fair deal with your salary um nowadays if you play five six seven years in the league um if you screw that money up that's your fault yeah you know i mean but you know at the end of the day both sides have to figure out a good deal and neither you know you can't be on the player's side and think well we just make we're going to make substantial money and just put your head in the sand i think this is an important negotiation for our league and to continue on just the way we're going but uh at the end of the day there's there's plenty of money there and i don't think the issues are so earth-shattering the way they're splitting the money you know you're, you're talking about right at 51 percent of where the money is going one side or the other so you're not you know yeah it's not slanted one way or the other too bad so at the end of the day let's let's get the thing done and let's get down to spring training and and have a normal spring i think both florida and arizona really could use that after the last couple of years of them really struggling oh. without having spring yeah, Ron Coomer is our guest talking uh, late labor negotiations here in Major League Baseball as we begin to start, you know, it's just starting to feel this week like, hey, like, time to start talking some hot stove, fun baseball kind of stuff. D- does a pension mean a lot to players that are in the game, or does that seem so far off to them uh, that that they don't care about it? You know how big, and, and I mean, my gosh, these pensions are getting big. I mean, you're in really good shape if you've got the service time in. But but does does a player that that's going through it, does that mean much to them, or does that just seem so far out there that, that it, they don't even come to terms with it? I think if you're a 25-year-old uh, young player in the league, you probably don't quite understand it. Yeah. If you're the 35-year-old player in the league, you understand it a little better, you know. So I, I think all those questions are relative. I, You know, at the end of the day, um, different things matter more to you at different points in your career. And I think we're all guilty of that in some way, shape, or form, whether, you know, you're in the media now, you were playing 20 years ago. Or for you, you know, all of us, we think of things differently as we get get older. So uh, I think it's a different different time. But with the money that's out there, you just, you know, you got to get a good deal for both sides. Um, 
and 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 some of these some of these issues it, it can be resolved. I think when you sit down like we have the last couple of days, and both sides have made some real concessions, I think that's a really good sign. Do you think players and management understand that? You know, th- this ain't the time, as they say. You know, w- when everybody's hurting in this country for different, not everybody, uh, but uh, certainly the vast majority, you know, have different pains for different reasons, and certainly a lot of fears. Uh, does that enter in where they go, "Hey, we we got to do this because we can't be seen as, as, as the people that wouldn't step up and get our job done"? Well, I really hope so. To be quite honest, I'm not in those negotiations, but boy, you know, when you when you walk around the ballparks and you're an owner or you're a player and you're seeing all the different things that are going on in, in our cities, um, boy, you really hope so, right? I mean, we we need some bright spots happening in our towns, right? I mean, we yeah. just do. Oh, man, if, you're, if your ballpark's urban, you you need to get some foot traffic going, you know? Right. I, 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 Chicago, Minnesota, yep. Minneapolis. I mean, think about it. All the, all the issues that we've had, we really need some positivity, and we need – we need to get people together and doing some good things, and I think baseball is one of those things that we can do. So uh, I'm really hoping that both sides come to terms here in the next three weeks or so and, and kind of figure this thing out. Now, now when they, when they get that off and free agency kicks in, um, what are we going to see? Is there going to be a frenzy? I would think so. I, you're probably going to get a week or two of free agent signing, and it's going to be off the spring. Um, so we you know, I would think there's a lot of backroom talks going yeah, on right G- now. GMs are doing, got the calculator out every day, right? They do. And, and the other thing is, the friend of a friend that knows the guy that's the GM, <laughs> I think those things are happening right yep. now, big time. So, not, so. not that I'm saying we would, but you can tell your buddy that if he was available and open to a three-year <laughs> deal, he might want to call us right away, <laughs> right? You got it. You got it. All right. Hey, hey, Coom, always good to visit with you. Say hi to Paula. I don't have to tell you to stay warm. We're the ones that uh, need to worry about that. And I hope you get up here before uh, spring and I can see you. Yeah, that would be great. I'm kind of planning on it one last time before the season gets started. But say hi to David. I know David is retiring or retired. Yeah. And and, uh, Patrick and Rosie and all those guys around town. I miss you guys. Same here. Thanks, Coom. Absolutely. Ron Coomer, that's fun to visit with him about baseball and everything else. Just a good guy. Uh, one of the joys, many joys that I have in this job is, you know, you get a guy like that who becomes a friend. And it's just uh, a friend because, not because of baseball, just because you like being around him. Um, when we come back, Natalie Darwitz, she has played the Olympics, and here come the Olympics. She's an assistant coach with the University of Minnesota, and they just beat the number one team in the country twice. And, oh, yeah, she used to coach at the institution. Uh, don't feel bad if you can't get in. Most people can't. Uh, Hamblin University, and turn that around as well. We'll talk to her about all of the above when we come back on Sports to the Max. A version of the Winter Olympics is coming in Beijing, short of fans, but it's still the Winter Olympics. Uh, the Gopher women's hockey team made a huge statement against Wisconsin over the weekend, beating the number one Badgers twice. Let's talk to Natalie Darwitz about both because she knows Olympics and she knows uh, as an assistant coach what happened over the weekend. Natalie, good to visit with you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Let me start with Winter Olympics. What is it like right now? When you know, first of all, what were you, what was your first time? Did, did you know you'd make the team out? I, I don't remember how it all how it all went down for you. 
Yeah, first time, you know, you uh, the team selected late summer, and then, you know, you dwindle down to their roster size end of January, early, um, end of December, early January. So then from there, it's just stay healthy, don't get injured, <laughs> get to the Olympics, and, and let's play. So right now they go to California, I think, first, then over to Beijing. Uh, what is this time period like for an Olympian when you're, when you're, you're finally there, especially maybe that first time, and you're finally going to get to wear it you know, on an international stage? What is that like as you approach the Games? It's a super exciting time right now. They're, they're out in L.A., and they're going through what's called processing. That's where you kind of go through the meetings, get all your apparel, um, credentials, stuff like that, so that when you land over in Beijing, um, you have everything ready to go, and you just head on over to the athlete's village. And then it's about, you know, getting settled in and getting acclimated and into a routine, and, and then you just are antsy for games to start. Now, I know it might be different now because of COVID, but what was athlete's village like? I mean, it was fun. It's just where you saw most of the other athletes. And for us, it was really cool because that's when the NHL NHLers were in the Olympics, all three. So I was lucky. So you'd see them and just meet other athletes. And, um, you know, it's just your place to, to call home for the next three weeks. And um, you can make it what you wanted to. You could be as social as you want or you could uh, hole up and, and bear down and, and get ready for your games. Kind of a dorm room setting. Is that what it is? And then, and then a lot of common area? Yeah, we had a mixture, and, and all three of my Olympics, it was a mixture. Salt Lake was more of a dorm setting. Italy and um, Canada were more apartment style, um, yep. so that was kind of nice. Well, Salt Lake was when Herb Brooks came back to try to reestablish the magic, and almost did. Canada beat him. People forget some of these things. But but do you remember watching him? Did, did you have an impression of him? Now you're coaching. Did you, did you take anything from him? Oh, absolutely. I mean, how, how cool is that? That obviously you uh, you grew up with him being a <clears throat> Minnesotan, and then obviously knew of the miracle on ice, and then he's basically back doing it over again, and, and came up came up just short. Um, we both lost to the Canadians, and um, just you know, I think him being in Olympic Village and seeing us Minnesotans, he kind of gave us extra love, like me and Chrissy and stuff like that. So it was just cool to to have that familiarity and. Um, He's just a tremendous, tremendous person. So, like, what would you have seen from him that you implement into your coaching? Well, I know I think he, I think obviously if people just watch the movie, they think he was a tough guy, but yeah. he really loved his players and cared for them and wanted the, the most for them. And I think any coach can relate to that. He just had a style that, you know, maybe it was a little rough around the edges, but it got it. It worked and it got the job got done. Um, now, nowadays, I don't know if you can coach like that and get away with it at many levels. Yeah. And, and um, actually, in Salt Lake, he really—I mean, he, he dialed it back because it was NHL players, right? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. There's not much, especially with NHL players. He wasn't coaching amateurs like he was in '80. It was a completely different experience where he's coaching guys that probably think they know it all already, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just facilitating it. But he probably still had their heads turned because of who he was. Yeah, they still probably listened pretty good. Natalie Darwitz is our guest. Uh, you know, you, you became head coach at uh, my alma mater, Hamlin, and, and you took them to places they had never been before. What was that experience like for you? I had a tremendous time at Hamlin. Uh, just to look back at our my six years there, we started at the bottom, and and in two years we <clears throat> went to a playoffs, and then a the year later a Frozen Four and backed mm-hmm. it up again with a national championship game and just came up short, but. You know, everything from tree or rink to, you know, building a program really from the ground up 
um, was a whole lot of fun. So I really enjoyed my time there and the people that I came across. And it was a tough decision this summer when the U came calling and um, Jake and I, my assistant at Hamlin, both went over to the U. So it was it was a tough decision. Uh, but I just felt, you know, for me to grow and, and hopefully be a Division One head coach one day, that was a step I needed to take. What What did you get out of being a head coach? You, you know, there are certain things that you can only experience if you're, if you're the person in charge. What did you get out of that? How, how did you? And you'd been a head coach before, just not at the college level, but at Lakeville, obviously, you had great success as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the best experience is having experience, and uh, certainly running, you know, that program over there and. Um, Getting, in the, getting my feet wet in recruiting and just getting connected back into state high school hockey and getting to know other coaches and, and really having a say of what direction and what players you want your, your program to go was just a whole lot of fun. So I take that last six years at Hamlin as a major, major stepping stone for me and professionally. Um, not only that, it, it's helping me thrive right now with the Gophers and same with Jake. And, you know, as you mentioned, had a, had a big sweep last weekend against Wisconsin. And so, we're not changing who we are as people. We're just bringing that to the next level, which so, is a lot of fun. And you get to the next level, and obviously, you know, it's uh, you, you know what that next level is because you've played it. Uh, but but how is it different to be an assistant coach in Division One versus a head coach in Division Three? Um, you know, obviously, um, not, <laughs> I don't have the final say. Um, yep. But, you know, hopefully I can make a huge impact, and, and I'm making a huge impact on the players and uh, I still do a fair amount of X's and O's and, and decision making, um, but at the same time, you know, now I have a boss where I was the boss uh, the last couple of years. So there's a little bit of an adjustment, but I don't think I've, I'm changing because of my, I guess, my job title uh, from a head to assistant. I'm, I'm being who I am and continuing to coach the way I, I know how to coach and recruit the way I know how to recruit. Natalie Darwitz is our guest. What coach brought out the best in you? Who did you relate to the most of all the coaches you played for? Oh, goodness. Well, i got to give my dad a shout-out because yep. he's my dad. Yep. <laughs> um, and you and know, that's where it all started. He wasn't far, far from the tree. So, yeah. you know, he, he you know molded me pretty well. But um, I was really lucky. My high school coach was a guy named Merlin Ravendall, and, and he was hard-nosed but cared about us immensely. So, you know, there's times where he's just said, are you doing your best? And and it got me going. Um, but I knew he was doing it because he cared about me. And then, uh, obviously, I thought Mark Johnson from Wisconsin was our 2010 Olympic coach. He was a tremendous coach. Just someone with a calm demeanor um, that he didn't have to say a whole lot, that he just wanted to go through the boards with. Are you, are you allowed to like Mark now that he's a Badger, or how does that work? <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to, but yeah. I, I do. Yeah. I, I respect him immensely. I think he's a great, a great coach. He's done a whole lot for the women's hockey game. Um, so I think he's a, a tremendous mentor and a role model for me to look up to. Yeah, he's really found a home there that he's stuck with. And of course, had great success here. But I think about Herb Brooks again and Badger Bob didn't always get along so well back in, in <laughs> as the stories go, right? Now, now when, when you talk about developing a player, whether it's at Hamlin or the University of Minnesota, what's more difficult, to teach them the game or to get to know them so well that you know what buttons to push to motivate them and so that they know you care about them? Which is, which is easier, which is more difficult, and why? I think the X's and O's is, is pretty cut and dry. Um, to me, it's, can you, you, you have, you know, from a forward standpoint, we have 11 forwards on our team right now. You got to get to know each and every personality, what makes them tick. You know, if I go up to Taylor Heisey and I say, Hey, you don't have a goal yet today. 
who's our leading scorer and probably the best player in the nation, I can guarantee you the next shift she's going to go out and probably have a goal. <laughs> All you have to do is you mention know? it, huh? Yeah. So, you know, just to find out how to make those players tick because not every one player is the same. Sidney Crosby's not the same as uh, Kaprizov. You know, so you got to just know their personality. And I think teaching the game, the X's and O's and where to be, that's the easy part. The hard part is what what makes them tick? Why do they want to be successful? Maybe how do you, maybe analogies? I don't know. You, storytelling would help them. So I think you just got to get to know the player. I think that's really special. And uh, when you finally figure out that trigger, it just it uh, it's fun to watch it go. Then is trust the most important thing? They 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 got to believe that what you're saying is going to work and that you care about them. I mean, is that the one word that keeps coming back? Yeah, I think, you know, trust is a huge thing, number one. Uh, number two, that they feel, not in any particular order here, but number two, that they feel valued and cared for. Um, I know those are buzzwords these days, but it's true. Uh, I feel the same as a coach with my my assistants or other coaches. Um, you got to feel valued and and that you, you can be put on the ice and that they have we have confidence that they can go do a good job. And have some fun doing it too. Do you, do you? Does it help to know who they are as a person a lot? Uh, or, or you know, you know, how much do you want to know about them? Do you want to know everything? Do you want to know a little bit about them? What, what do you want to know? Well, yeah, I think obviously there's a, I think a balance you got to draw there. I don't think we need to know their favorite color. <laughs> yeah, what their favorite meal is, but I think competitively, what their personality is like, what drives them, what's their why. Um, in different situations of how to coach them, whether that's, um, you know, going to be a little hard on them and call them out, or you got to be a little softer with them and, and, you know, put your arm around their shoulder and say, you can do this. So like, um, for, like for the Gophers, let's say, uh, would the why for a lot of them be, do, do they, obviously there's no, no real, um, there's professional league, the Whitecaps, whatnot, but now where you're going to make a lot of money in, in the NHL and all those things, is the why the Olympics or for most of them, is it something else? Well, I think the why for a majority of our team is to be the best players they can and help this program win a national championship. So that's, I think, our why of our team. There are probably three or four of our players that can move on and have that Olympic dream. Um, so th- those are probably our top kids, and their why is it's pretty clear. Like, they go. They're your most intense athlete. Um, but I think for the for the team aspect is, you know, how do I get the most playing time? How do I help out this team? How do I help win a game? And then can we win some championships? Natalie Darwitz is our guest. What about when you have that high-end player who can't figure out why the rest of them don't want to work as hard as they do? How, how do you counsel <laughs> them through that? You know, that, that's a difficult thing, right? Because, because they're setting a great example, and yet sometimes they're frustrated because they just don't get why people don't want to get there early and stay late and all those things. How, how do you manage that person? Well, you know, I'll, I'll point out specifically uh, Taylor Heisey again. She's, she's wired that way. She's, she's on the ice early. She's late. She's shooting pucks. And one of the coolest things about her is she's bringing her teammates along with her. Mm-hmm. The ones who maybe don't want to do the work she's doing, she's, hey, come on out with me. They make it, she makes it fun. Um, I think that's what it's all about. If, if she, it's kind of like a Michael Jordan thing when he said in the last dance, hey, I know some of you do it. I dragged my teammates along with me to get where we had to go. I think she's really similar to that. And, and um, you have to be good to get them to come to go, right? I mean, you, you have you have to put up some numbers before they'll you know they'll go with you, right? Exactly. And then she's a product of her action and and 
and her teammates are, are following her first steps and want to be like her and want to do that. And, and she gives them confidence in doing it too. Um, so I, that's what I would say to, to that. If you don't have a teammate that doesn't want to do it, sometimes they're going to put themselves into a corner when the rest of the team is doing it. And, and right now, one of the coolest things about our team is a good majority of our team is, is wanting it. And, uh, you're seeing that product on the ice and how we're playing, obviously beating Wisconsin last week. And we have a big weekend coming out against Ohio State, which is another test. Uh, to yeah, former gopher coaching, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? We got uh, Nadine on the head coach, and Emily West is an assistant coach. Yep. She plays for the Gophers, too. So, um, obviously, the Gophers turning over a lot of uh, a lot of good graduates into coaches and, and into the hockey world. Last question for you, Natalie. What's it like when you do win and, and you're sitting there and you got the medal? Do, do you feel... Uh, at the Winter Olympics, do, do, do you feel um, a, a real sense of patriotism and that you did this for the country, or is it more about your teammates because you know the process you've been through? What does that feel like? I, all the above. I mean, you know, I think personally it's a, um, I got to the highest level possible. Um, you know, we accomplished something. And then obviously there's great pride that you're one of, you know, 20-something players representing your country in the sport of ice hockey. Yep. Um and I, I tell you what, I, I've been fortunate to travel to a lot of different countries, and I'm always like, when I'm over, when I'm over another country, I'm like, I am so glad I'm from the U.S. Uh-huh. And it puts it in perspective how privileged and blessed we are to to be in this great nation. So I think anytime a player throws on that USA over their chest, that, and 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 they go to other countries and experience how they have it, I just it, it makes you more fortunate and makes you more privileged to play harder for that for that team. That's a great point. Great one to end on. Natalie, I, I hope I get to see you soon. COVID restrictions, you never know. But, but, but I sure enjoy visiting with you again. Thank you for giving us some time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. Natalie Darwitz, nice enough to join us. Uh, what a career she's had, huh? Hall of Fame, everything else. You forget how many this state has produced. And she is different and she is special. And... Uh, Pretty cool to see her and Brad Frost. And uh, Brad, of course, built that program, but to win two from the Badgers over the weekend, wow, that's pretty good stuff. Sports to the Max and WCCO. Sports to the Max taking up to the Timberwolves and the uh, Portland Trailblazers in Portland tonight. I got to tell you, they, they have become, you got to check them out kind of thing, right? Because you don't know. And, and, and they're just kind of goofy enough. Uh, you know, you know, Edwards gets ejected. Edwards scores 25 points the next game. Uh, Towns gets shut down for three quarters. Towns scores 15 points in the fourth quarter. D'Angelo Russell gets three threes in a row, whatever it is. There, there, there's just enough of them out there that, that, that you want to take a bite and go, what, what is this team? What is this that they, what's Chris Finch got going on here? What, what is it that he's doing here that, that I'm now kind of drawn to this team? And even though they're not a dominant team and they're a frustrating team sometimes, that's part of the charm of why I enjoy following them because I'm not quite sure what I'm going to get. And when it's good, it's really, really good. Now, when it's not good, it's, you but it's better than what we've seen before. And there's just something about this team that kind of keeps you engaged and interested, even though you're not quite sure what it is you're going to get from them. That's what I'm saying. And tonight we'll get some of that from them. You know, Minnesota's become a hotbed uh, for basketball in so many different ways, on so many different levels. 
And um, one of the things that's really moved the needle on it is the, these breakdown classics where they had these one-day deals where, where you know, kind of marquee matchups of teams that wouldn't play each other because they're not in the same conference or the same section. And, and Justin Hagen is the guy that really created it conceptually. And, and what it's done is it, it draws people to the gyms because they get to see a whole bunch of good Minnesota players. And it draws college coaches there because they get to see a whole lot of Minnesota players in one day. When we come back, we'll visit with him about that and the impact and what it's been like to come back from COVID and highlight some of the best Minnesota has to offer. News Talk 830 WCCO Sports to the Max rolls on. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 